Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Big Ten Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. It is Monday, July 27th, and today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. You know where this is going. If you're listening at home, sing it with me. All the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto, rockauto.com. Shout out to today's episode sponsor. And on today's episode, we broaden our horizons and get a national perspective on what we've been discussing here the past few weeks since the Big Ten announced its conference-only scheduling for the 2020 fall sports season, of course, including college football. We go to the land of the Atlantic Coast Conference, and I welcome on Locked On ACC host Brian Wilmer. But before we get to that, because we're talking national perspective, let's go as national as we can in the world of collegiate athletics and the NCAA. Because after I left you on Friday's episode, later that afternoon, the NCAA had a meeting with the Board of Governors, and they announced that they're really not making much of an announcement right now because, as Mark Emmert said, they are continuing to thoughtfully and aggressively monitor health conditions around the country and the implementation of the COVID-19 guidelines they issued last week. So pretty much they had a big meeting on Friday to make maybe some sort of a decision on their fall sports championships. Now here's the real big thing. If the NCAA, which runs 22 NCAA fall sports championships for the fall sports season were to cancel said championships, there's really no point of playing a season. It would be a huge domino really resulting and leading the way in what other power five conferences, including the big 10 might do to then cancel the entirety of fall sports, get rid of conference only. Sure. But we're talking the cancellation of all of fall sports. So there's been a lot of discussion around this meeting on Friday. So pretty much with Mark Emmert saying that they will continue their discussions into the month of August. The next scheduled meeting is a week from tomorrow, August 4th, when they will have maybe more of an idea about what they will do for their 22 NCAA championships, their fall sports championships beginning in late November. The real discussion around this has been focused on college football because there's 22 NCAA championships for the fall sports season. One of those championships that is not included is the FBS, the football bowl subdivision, because that is controlled by the college football playoff committee and the other bowls that control the postseason for other teams that obviously don't make the CFP. So Knowing that college football at the highest level with the likes of Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, all the teams that we know and love, including the Big Ten and some of the Power Five and Group of Five conferences, that their championship season at the end of their season is dictated away from the NCAA, these things are all being paid attention to right now. You have some Power Five commissioners, athletic directors from these programs hoping that the NCAA will go out and cancel their fall sports seasons because that will lead and set the example for what the Power Five conferences need to do. A lot of Power Five conferences right now, like the Big Ten, have made some announcements about the conference-only schedule as a way of not saying, hurrah, we're playing a college football season. And I have said many times, it's more like we're going to push our decision, maybe delay the inevitable. You also have the other Power Five conferences. The Pac-12 has followed the suit of the Big Ten and has done a conference-only schedule. But you have the ACC, as we'll discuss with Brian Wilmer coming up, the Big 12 in the SEC that have made no formal announcement as of yet of what they will do with their schedules for the fall sports season. And then you have some of these other Power Five commissioners and schools from these conferences that are glad the NCAA is waiting till that next meeting on August 4th to make a decision because they don't want their hand forced yet. They're still logistically figuring out what they need to do. But at that point, they're going to need to either, either be given a green or a red light to really let them know what they should do to proceed with their fall seasons. 
So for the time being, we wait, but circle your calendars because next Tuesday, August 4th will be a huge day for collegiate athletics in the future of the fall sports season. We all circle and we all wait. That will be the big date, Tuesday, August 4th. Hopefully have some sort of indication about what the NCAA will do for their fall sports championships and what that means for all fall sports but specifically college football. So as we get that national perspective, as we go outside the Big Ten to hear from other parts of the country, let's get it over to Locked On ACC host Brian Wilmer right now. And now very pleased to welcome on the Locked On Big Ten show, another member of this great Locked On podcast family, another conference host. It's big stuff, folks. It's Brian Wilmer. He's the host of Locked On ACC. So Brian, thank you very much for coming on the Locked On Big Ten show. Absolutely, Ben. Thanks for having me. So this is your first time on. We're hopefully talking about what could be fun times down the line, but we have to get to the idea of if college football will happen this season. Obviously, the Big Ten was the first Power Five conference to announce a conference-only schedule. The other Power Five schools you know, had to react after that. Some were surprised. Some were a little bit unaware that the Big Ten would be releasing the announcement of a conference-only schedule when they did. Brian, when you saw that announcement come down from the Big Ten about two weeks ago now, what was your first reaction? Well, honestly, there were a couple of reactions. First of all was panic because I also uh, work for fbschedules.com. And one of the first things that happened was it came down just before everybody got notified that this was going to happen. And so my first thought is, okay, uh, what does every other conference do? And how many games are we going to have to go through and delete and change and cancel and everything else? So there, there was that. But I think it kind of, to me, for the first time in a while, there's been a lot of conversation about the Big Ten kind of making that next leap in Power Five conferences with mm-hmm. the talent on the field, the, the quality of teams that they have. And now they're becoming the leader off the field as well. They were the first conference to jump out there and say, look, this is our plan. We've got this in place. And it kind of caught everybody else flat footed. You note now that the ACC still doesn't really have a plan, at least not a publicized plan. And we'll talk right. more about that during this. But um, really, the only other conference that's jumped out there is the Pac 12. Mm-hmm. It really, you know, when you talk about the Big 12 being, or the Big 10 rather, being one of the leaders on the field, they're now one of the leaders off the field too. So that was the first thing that jumped out to me is, wow, they're taking that next step in leadership as well. So let's get a little bit of a national perspective here. Let's go to the Atlantic Coast Conference. As you mentioned, a lot of speculation out there, but no formal announcement at this point. When do you expect to hear some sort of a formal plan from the ACC? That's a good question. They've said by the end of next week is the Mm -hmm. initial plan. Now, it all depends on which plan you believe. And there are a number of them out there. The, the right. main one that's been floated is the 10 game plus one schedule. Um, the main problem I have with all of this, and I, I think this is the, the thing that's kind of neglected, and I went over it some in the conference schedule previews. There are some ACC teams that haven't played each other since 2013. Wow. And now we're looking at possibly going another year without their playing each other. Um, <laughs> That's going to be one thing for which they'll have to account. The other gigantic elephant in the room is Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with Notre Dame kind of still hanging out, not really being a full member of the ACC, kind of just playing some ACC games. They've had a bunch of games canceled already. Uh, They are now down three games. And the next thing that's come up is, well, okay, if we release this 10 plus one, Notre Dame's going to be accounted for in this 10 plus one they could still play for an ACC championship without being an actual member of the ACC, which creates a whole other mess. There are some people who are really mad about it. For instance, if you go read Zach Lentz, uh, who writes for SI's Clemson site, uh, all Clemson, I believe is the name of it. He's really displeased and uh, had kind of a missive against John Swafford against the ACC and their, their lack of planning. Um, 
but just the thought of a Clemson Notre Dame ACC championship game if they decided to go that route is really intriguing. So you mentioned that some people around the ACC not so pleased to have the Golden Domer as a part of the conference. Notre Dame does have six ACC opponents on their schedule for 2020 as of right now. For me, I always think of Notre Dame kind of as like a pseudo Big Ten team, though, just because of where they are in the country right there in the heart of the Midwest. But in your opinion, Brian, do you like the possibility of the Fighting Irish joining the ACC just for this season? Honestly, mostly I do. I, I think that it's good because you get another big name. You get more TV dollars into the league because when you're in a situation where you have the pandemic and you have all these schools, uh, Clemson said something about it could lose anywhere between 100 and $150 million just this year alone. Right. You bring the NBC deal and the other national deals into the league. That pumps more money back into the league, obviously. Um, there's that. It creates more marquee matchups. Uh, so when you start looking at those things, that's a pretty significant positive. When you look at the possibility of uh, an asterisk ACC champion, <laughs> that creates a whole other mess. And, you know, people down here, the, the first thought that comes to mind where I am in South Carolina is people start talking about, well, did you know that South Carolina won the 1969 ACC championship? And you think South Carolina was in the ACC? What? Right. But you could have that similar situation happen where you have a non-ACC team representing the ACC as its champion, which creates a whole other uh, pile of messes. So whether it's the Big Ten or the ACC, as we are discussing with Locked On ACC host Brian Wilmer, you know that life gives you a lot of variety at times. And when you're talking about variety, you're talking about what things do you need in your life? Well, when it comes to your automobiles, there's no better place to go for the largest variety out there and the convenient self-service than rockauto.com. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So when you go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, yes, that variety, they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Variety is the spice of life. You will find no more variety out there. And I know Brian Wilmer, a great part of this Locked On podcast family, would agree than what you will find at rockauto.com. And best of all, best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? It's a silly question, and the answer is so simple. You never have to, especially when you go to rockauto.com. So go there right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you here from the Locked On Podcast Network, specifically this beautiful Locked On Big Ten show. rockauto.com has amazing selection, reliably low prices, and one of the catchiest jingles out there. So here it comes. All the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. RockAuto.com. So do you think, in actuality, Notre Dame will join the ACC? Do you think it happens for the 2020 college football season? Um, I, I think they'll join as kind of an associate member. Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of in the, the mindset of, we'll play you for this year, but we're not going full ACC. And the reason why it won't happen is because they have – the swing to be able to make that not happen. They have all these True. other independent deals and they are Notre Dame. They don't have to rely on a conference, but in a case like this, where you have so inconsistent of a scheduling model all the way across the country for obvious reasons, uh, it makes the most sense to just kind of go back and make nice with the ACC for a year. And then John Swafford's out and maybe you have a new commissioner who's a little more favorable to giving Notre Dame what they want. And maybe they join and maybe you have a commissioner who tells them to kick rocks and they leave. But uh, I think for this one year, it probably makes the most sense. Yeah, I think if Notre Dame were to join a conference, whichever conference, they're going to come into the bargaining table asking for a whole heck of a lot. 
Yes. So you mentioned the conference only plus one schedule, the idea of 10 games played against ACC opponents in that one non-conference game, that really being the schedule that's been floated most prominently for the ACC. Is that what you expect the ruling to be, the announcement to be whenever the ACC makes it official? I think that's where the smart money is, if we're mm -hmm. being honest, because you start looking around at the games that are scheduled right now, and there are some games that would be fairly tough to reschedule. For instance, you have the Notre Dame or the North, the Notre Dame Clemson game, which if you don't play that this year, if Notre Dame doesn't join the ACC, is there too much acrimony to ever play that again? Uh, you have the North Carolina UCF game, which has already been postponed once because of a hurricane. And now yeah. you may have it postponed because of a pandemic. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of different scheduling dynamics and here we are approaching August. You can't really get too creative. You just, you kind of have to look through and say, well, okay, what can we implement the most quickly with the least pain? And that's probably about the way that makes the most sense. Now, when you start looking at what that plus one game is, particularly when you're talking about Clemson, it's obvious, South Carolina. When you start right. talking about Notre Dame, though, you look on their schedule, they had a lot of games that would have been plus one type games. You had USC, which is now gone, Wisconsin, gone, Stanford, gone. So really Navy or I guess Arkansas, possibly, yeah. it's your plus one. So we're talking about the plus one schedule and you mentioned the Pac-12 earlier in our conversation about how they are doing the conference only schedule like the Big Ten is. And there was a report late last week about how the Pac-12 is trying to schedule things out logistically to get things to look. They're going to include some bye weeks in the season that they can possibly play if a game needs to be postponed or whatever that may be. The ACC has also announced one of the announcements they've made that they don't plan on starting their fall sports season until at least September 1st. So let's say the ACC does do the plus one schedule, the 10 conference games, the one non-conference game. When do you expect that season to start for the ACC? Probably, I, I would guess the earliest they can make it happen would be somewhere around September 19th or so. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think there's any logistical way to get guys into camp and expect them to go through a week of what their, their normal workout would be and then just say, okay, go out and play week one in front of a gigantic TV crowd and, you know, make us proud. I, I don't think that's plausible. So um, I think the, the most leniency that anybody will be willing to show is two weeks and, you know, three is probably more likely. So I would say sometime around mid September and you start looking at these other leagues that have delayed their schedules by a bit, uh, even at the FCS level, uh, the, the most likely outcome is probably around September 19th. So I would say we're looking at mid September before we see ACC football on the field. I don't know, though, Brian. Those Big 12 guys now got me confused on everything. Got me questioning <laughs> everything. We're going to August 29th playing Week 0. I don't know what the heck that's about, but hey, boomer sooner, I guess. Yeah, the, the Big 12, I think when they look at their landscape, they see their chance to, I guess, get somewhat on the level with the SEC. Now, they'll, they'll never be there financially. They'll never be there talent-wise. But mm -hmm. when it comes to getting a product on TV, they're saying to themselves, okay, if the ACC starts late, if the Big Ten starts late, if all these other conferences start late, we can get out there and maybe compete with just the SEC and get more eyes on our product. Now, some of those states are a little less prone to, uh, to problems right now than others, and, and we'll see how those are handled. Um, but if you look at, for instance, the Missouri State-Oklahoma game, moved to week zero, Saturday, yeah. August 29th, like you said. So, you know... I, I guess we'll see what happens once they start getting them out there. Uh, if it's a gamble, it's a gamble well done. Mm -hmm. If it's uh, misplayed, if we have positive tests, if we have any other kinds of issues, then the Big 12 has even more uh, egg on its face than ordinary, which 
there's a lot there already with all the things that have gone on in the offseason. But um, it's a calculated risk, and I, I think it's one that probably has more reward than, uh, than not. But even still, it's, it's a big challenge, especially when you're trying to get guys into camp, keep them separated, keep them tested, uh, all this, even with situations where you started to see the, the outbreaks get lesser and lesser. It's tough to get them on the field, particularly at a level they're expected to be playing for. Right. I mean, you're seeing even some schools around the Big Ten this past week when they've got their kids on campus for workouts. Even Michigan State was taking the field for some practices. Now all of those entire football rosters in that program is quarantined. So it's a big move by the Big 12. You're right. If they do it, they better hope they do it correctly because otherwise it's going to look even worse. So I think one of the things that's fascinating to me about the ACC schedule is something that you mentioned and the ties to their big rivalry games among the SEC. You have the games like Clemson, South Carolina, Florida State and Florida. You have Louisville and Kentucky, Georgia, Georgia Tech, those big four that everybody has year in and year out. How does that complicate things for the ACC, maybe for some of the Big Ten fans that don't really know exactly what goes into the intricacies of those rivalries? I think the big thing is you have to start wondering about, okay, if we're going to virtual instruction, which seems to be the common thing around the ACC, where right after Thanksgiving, everybody goes home, everybody stays there, they take exams there. How do you keep students on campus for these games that are traditionally played over Thanksgiving weekend? And Clemson, right. South Carolina is one of those games. Uh, there are a number of others, Florida, Florida States that way. How do you logistically uh, keep all those plates in the air? That's, that's going to be the really big question. And, you know, we can't really anticipate where we'll be in November. I mean, we're yeah. looking four months out, just like we were looking four months out uh, when all this started and we couldn't oh. have anticipated where we are now. So um, I think the best thing they can do, and you've seen a lot of talk with politicians in Florida and South Carolina and Virginia, even with Virginia, Virginia Tech, although that's a conference game, right? where they're trying to be the, the smartest they can in terms of both the student body and their student athletes. Uh, so I wonder if maybe there's some kind of move earlier on before Thanksgiving to possibly segment out the student athlete population even further um, and just keep them virtual for say all of November so that when it gets down to these rivalry games, you don't see these big dollar games being canceled or being postponed or whatever because of any possible outbreaks on campus. I'm, that'll be the part that fascinates me is watching yeah. how they do all of this uh, you know, movement around of, and I don't want to say resources because they're not, but movement around of players and student athletes just to keep them safe and keep the rest of the student body safe and still play these, these games that mean so much to the universities. Brian Wilmer gives us a vibe check to see how we feel here sitting at the end of July and the hopes of a possible college football season coming up on the horizon coming up next. Yeah, it's incredibly interesting to see how that dynamic will work. You had Mac Brown talking about how when students come back to campus at North Carolina, if that's what they do, just the entire population of Chapel Hill increases tremendously. And then you have the opportunity for probably an increase in positive tests. And that is not the scenario they look for. But then you have on the other side of that ball where you have college basketball coaches, Kevin Willard from Seton Hall, one of the people that's been out there, Jim Beheim from Syracuse has said, that might be their best chance, you know, that break in Thanksgiving and if they're going to have kids stay at home through the new year, through 2021, to create somewhat of a bubble-like environment that has been so popular in the pro leagues to have athletics continue to be played when student main students are away from campus. So those entire dynamics, it's something that I don't think either you or I, Brian, have any idea what's going to happen in November, but it's so interesting to see how all these parts could work together. Uh, yeah, and it's funny you bring up basketball because with the season starting November 10th, uh, it's right there in that sweet spot where potentially if you start sending kids home or if you start 
moving student athletes around, then maybe there is a little bit less risk. Now, what you're going to see out of that is you're going to see a lot more of the regional buy games as opposed to these, you know, games where, say, a, a I don't know, an America East school gets on a plane and flies out to UCLA or something like that. Right. Uh, there'll be a lot less of that going on. So you might see more of the regional games where, say, just to throw it out there, uh, you know, a Virginia has a bye game with a James Madison or an Old Dominion or something like that. And Virginia's already slated to play JMU in Harrisonburg this year. But there could be a lot more of that as we start planning out basketball schedules. And there's a, a site out there called the D1 Docket that plans out all these basketball schedules for everybody. And that thing is a total mess at this point. And I feel bad for the guy who runs it because he's a great guy, but it's just, it's so tough to start anticipating these things. Yeah. My brain can't even get to basketball season yet. I'm just focused on college football. I had a friend that texted me over the weekend saying, do you have Labor Day weekend plans yet? I'm like, I don't know, man. I can't think to September right now. Like I'm just trying to take it one day at a time. And I think that's really what college football is doing. I mean, they have to adapt on a daily basis, let alone a weekly basis. And one of the things that happened last week that I found very interesting was the NCAA pushing off their decision about fall championships until what's likely a week from Tuesday, August 4th. I talked about this a little early on in my podcast. What do you make of that decision for the NCAA to push things along a little bit and wait on making a decision about their fall championships? That's going to be the real big domino in all of this. And yeah. it's, going, it's going to test a lot of conventional wisdom because you see all this stuff going on about, well, we don't have a real governing body in collegiate athletics. We have all these conferences making their own decisions and it's kind of like a governmental structure, you know, where all these local governments are doing whatever they want and that kind of thing. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens if the NCAA comes out and says, okay, we're not having championships. Now what? Because yeah. if you don't have championships, it kind of defeats the purpose of playing a lot of the season, unless you play right. the season and have just, you know, regular season champions and stop there. But that will be a real test of everybody's conventional wisdom of the NCAA being the actual final voice in all of this, the overall governing body. Yeah, Power Five conferences have asked the NCAA to step up to make a decision, and then it can kind of trickle down from there. Other Power Five conferences are asking them maybe to pass the buck a little bit so they can maybe figure out what they're doing with their schedule. It's a very interesting dynamic. And one of the things I pointed to from a very early point, it's not like the NBA league office that says, here's what we're doing, everybody follow along. There's so many different aspects that go in to the NCAA and their championships, and there's even differences amongst conferences. Like I always talk about this with the Big Ten. You have a school as far west as Nebraska that has their own set of circumstances. You as far east as Rutgers in New Jersey, and it's completely different worlds right there, especially as we are dealing with this COVID-19 pandemic. So all very interesting stuff. So Brian, I have to ask you here, I'm doing this with a lot of the guests that I bring on. I need a vibe check at this point as we sit here at the end of July. What is the percentage you think college football is played in 2020 in some sort of another? That's a great question. And I try to stay as positive as I can. I've right. said this 50,000 times on my own podcast, but the more time goes along, the more I'm positive about college football being played in the South, mm. um, you know, the SEC, the Big 12, those kinds of leagues, I'm positive about that. As we get outside of those areas, I think it really depends on a locality by locality basis. And I would say probably if you're looking at the South, you take something like Texas, where they apparently sent uh, a note to their season ticket holders and said, we're going to play football with 50% capacity. So that seems pretty positive to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go probably about 90, 95% there. Okay. You start getting up to where something like Rutgers that just quarantined their entire team because of six positive tests. I'm leaning more toward the 25 to 30% range. So it, I think it really depends. Um, th there has to be contingency plans. I'm sure there are, but 
the the more we are in the south the more college football really is the for lack of a better term the the religion in the south yeah i think there's a lot more feasibility of getting through at least the majority of the season in the south than in other areas Brian, then can I ask you a favor? Because if the Big Ten season doesn't happen, are you looking for a co-host for Locked On ACC to talk about some of your <laughs> games? Because I might need a jump ship. Absolutely. Come on over. I mean, I'm either that or I write to David Locke and I say, listen, I can become a Big 12 guy. You know, I just add two <laughs> more numbers to my show and I'll do it. You know, I'll, I'll get my Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. I'll get, into, I'll get into the weeds about the Big 12. Just let me talk some sort of college football for this upcoming year. Same here. And if, if my conference uh, doesn't play the same way, I'm, I'm going to need to jump ship as well. So I, I may reach out to you for the same thing. Let's do it. Let's uh, plan on taking over the college channel as best we can. Again, Brian Wilmer, the host of Locked On ACC. Brian, tell the folks who are looking for a national perspective for things just outside the Big Ten and overall kind of check on college football, what you have coming on the podcast. Uh, yeah, we're going to start looking at the season, assuming, of course, that we have one. That's the, the plan, the goal, the idea. Right. Uh, we've got a lot of breakdowns of what the schedules were uh, available <laughs> on our prior shows. And, and we do tend to look ahead on a week by week basis of what we'll be experiencing. We'll have a lot more information, obviously, once the ACC renders its final decision, but we are going into the final year, the John Swafford era, right. which is big for the ACC. We'll see we're kind of at a crossroads with the league. So we'll follow right along and see exactly where they decide to take the league in the future. Big 10 listeners, this is where you tune out real quick. Brian, if you don't know, I'm a Syracuse graduate, so I do have some ACC blood in me. So I'm always rooting for the ACC in the best form. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast again. Brian Wilmer, the host of Locked On ACC, a great member of this Locked On podcast family. Brian, so much. This was fun. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. So many thanks again to Brian Wilmer for making his debut on the Locked On Big Ten podcast, coming on and giving you guys some great information from the perspective of the Atlantic Coast Conference and what it might mean for college football nationally as we look ahead to the 2020 season. Give Brian a follow for all of his great work on Twitter. It's a wonderful handle, and it really means the world to me. It's at Sports Matters. I mean, come on. Can he say it any better? No, he can't. Again, on Twitter, Brian Wilmer is at Sports Matters. Wonderful stuff, Brian. That's why I knew I liked you, because sports do matter. They mean a whole heck of a lot to me, and I know they mean a lot to Brian as well. I mean, listen, just this weekend, being able to dive into live sports, watching baseball, that's incredible. That is incredible. We're getting NBA back. We're watching WNBA. We're getting incredible live sports, and that is what we hope. That is what we hope for college football this year. If it's not the Big Ten, as Brian and I said, we might be joining forces to host a new show on the Locked On Podcast Network. I hope you guys come along. But my first and foremost hope is that the Big Ten will be able to play some sort of a conference-only schedule for the 2020 fall sports season. We can talk about college football, maybe even work in some other sports, but specifically college football. We know that is the goal. We know that is the goal here on the Locked On Big Ten show. So coming up through the rest of this week and maybe leading up to that August 4th decision from the NCAA, we'll be continuing to get that national perspective. We have heard from Blake Lovell, the host of Locked On SEC, but now that it's been a few weeks and we have a few more things figured out, we're going to need to go to the Southeastern Conference to get a little bit more perspective about the college football discussion for 2020. We just heard from Brian Wilmer and Locked On ACC to get the Atlantic Coast Conference. We're going to maybe hear from the Pac-12 and the Big 12 to really hear what is happening all over the country in the land of Power 5 conferences to get a real complete picture about the hopes for college football in the 2020 season. That is what we're doing. We're remaining optimistic now. Brian brought you some optimism. I continue to try to bring you some hope and optimism as well. So until we talk on Wednesday for some more national perspective, have a splendid couple of days. <laughs> 